Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint. We distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. I'm really excited about this series we're about to dive into. My friend and the first guest on the podcast, Brian Decker, who's the Vice President of Development for the Carolina Panthers, he told me about our guest, and after reading his book, The Bezos Blueprint, I had to get him on the show. Carmine Gallo is a communications coach. He's a Harvard instructor, leadership advisor, and best-selling author whose books have been translated into over 40 languages. Some titles include The Bezos Blueprint, which I talked about, Talk Like Ted, and The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs. And in his incredible career, Carmine has advised executives for some of the world's largest brands, including Allstate, Berkshire Hathaway, Chevron, Coca-Cola, Disney, and many more. Whether you're a business leader or simply looking to improve your communication skills at home, this is a must-listen series. During our conversation today, Carmine shares the secrets to effective communication that he has learned from working with some of the world's most successful businesses. He emphasizes that great communicators are made, not born. That's really encouraging to me. And provides invaluable communication strategies and tips that focus on the critical pillars of the clarity and precision, which can benefit anyone looking to improve their communication skills. But before we get started today, if you haven't signed up for my newsletter adaptation, you should check it out. Every Friday, I'll email you information and tools curated for high performers just like you. You'll receive actionable information and the most recent cutting-edge science on how to improve your mind, body, and recovery. So check it out. The link is in the show notes. All right, now for my conversation with Carmine. So let's lean in and learn from the best. Carmine, it is a pleasure to have you on The Blueprint today. My good friend, Brian Decker, who's a previous guest on the show, recommended your book. And as a current startup founder, it immediately got my attention. But right now, like whether you're leading at home, you're leading at work, maybe you're leading your faith community, we all realize that communication is critical. Clarity and precision matters. And I think that Jeff Bezos's uh, shareholder letters are a masterclass in how we can do this. Do you mind sharing with us a few points of how we can implement his style and our communication to drive clarity in our organizations? Eric, thank you. And I'm glad you picked up on those Bezos shareholder letters. You're absolutely right. It is a masterclass in communication. Let me back up for just a moment and tell you why I even began to explore Jeff Bezos and his shareholder letters that he wrote for Amazon over, say, a span of about 20 years or so. We all know that Jeff Bezos is a bold visionary, but he also pioneered communication strategies that helped to fuel Amazon's astonishing growth. So when I began to do and explore and interview people who had worked directly with Bezos and who could tell me more about some of these very early strategies that he had in terms of aligning teams and communicating in a way that captured people's attention, a number of people kept pointing me to the shareholder letters, which as your audience probably knows, there are a handful of people who write letters that are a must read in the financial community. Warren Buffett is one of them. Jeff Bezos is another. And these are publicly available letters from 1997 on. Well, one pretty well-known venture capitalist in Silicon Valley who had also worked for Apple under Steve Jobs, when he 
heard that I was researching a book on Bezos, the first thing he said is, Carmine, you've got to dig into those shareholder letters. He said, those letters should be taught to every business student in the country. And then he added, if I were 20 years younger, I'd teach the class myself. <laughs> so that was the one hint, I better be looking at these letters. And the second hint was Mark Randolph, who endorsed my book. He is the co-founder of Netflix. On his desk, in his office, he has a folder. And in that folder, he has the very first 1997 shareholder letter that Bezos wrote. And he said he refers to it once a year. After those two hints, Eric, I began to realize maybe I should analyze these letters. I think the signals <laughs> are pointing to, I need to go read these things. These, there's a signal here. I'd better yeah. read those. And there's so much that we learned. But one thing that I think is overarching that I think is great for household CEOs, as we call them, uh, and the people listening, is that writing and communication is a skill. And like any skill, you can sharpen it with time. It can be developed over time. So I like to say that great communicators are made, not born. Like any skill, you can improve. Jeff Bezos certainly did. If you look at the first 10 years of letters that he wrote about Amazon, they kind of scored around a 10th grade level, some college level. So they were a little confusing, but they had some really great wor words of wisdom. But after about 2007, the writing got tighter and better. And here's what I learned. This was the big revelation to me, is that as Amazon grew in complexity and grew as a company, the letters became simpler and easier to understand. And when I asked people about that, they said, that's intentional because Jeff Bezos is a student of storytelling, of communication. He's always trying to improve, always trying to get 10, 10x better than he was uh, before. And that taught me something, whether it's writing, public speaking, giving presentations, anything that has to do with leadership and communication, we can all get better at it. We can all improve. One of the things in your book, I don't know if it was, was it chapter four or five, when you're talking about the clarity and directness of his communication, and it was like shorter sentences, action-oriented, right to the point. And I'm thinking to myself, as a startup founder, you know, everybody wants to make their solution so much more complicated than it is. And you can think about all the complex yes. layers of Amazon. There's so many things that they're doing we don't even know about. Mm -hmm. But here's arguably one of the most powerful people in business, one of the most powerful companies and clarity and simplicity is what's driving things forward. They don't need to tell you everything. You just need to understand what the outcome is going to be. And I started analyzing what I was doing and actually taking my letters to my investors. And even I write a weekly newsletter and I would go run it back through a system and be like, oh, I'm writing at a 10th grade. Read I need to bring it down to eighth grade. That's what the book Eighth grade. Right? Can you imagine that? That's very counterintuitive for most people. But it's so much simpler. And it's to the point. You tell me, but I don't think they read like they used to. They skim first. And if they think there's value, then they'll go in deeper. And if it's so jargony, they're not going to want to engage. I'll give you the big tip that I learned, not only from analyzing 50,000 words of Bezos letters, but also speaking to grammar experts and communication experts and writing experts. Here's the big revelation that'll change everybody's life, but it takes some courage. 
you got to think about this. It takes a little courage because it sounds counterintuitive. Use short words to talk about hard things. Short words to talk about hard things. As Amazon grew in complexity, as Amazon added more than a million employees and got into cloud computing and artificial intelligence, the writing that Bezos did grew shorter and simpler. Simpler words. So, for example, when he launched the Kindle, which was a, a very new type of platform for most people, most people did not have e readers at the time. I have a paragraph in the book where he described the Kindle in one and two syllable words because it was new. It is a new and unfamiliar concept for most people. So, he wrote, Think of it like a think of a book, any book, buy it and get it in your hands in 60 seconds. Mm. So if you look at all of the words he used, they were all one or two syllable words. So I started doing my research. I spoke to uh, English language experts and they said, yeah, there's a reason for that because the shorter, simpler words of a language, specifically English, are more ancient. They're more ingrained in our DNA and in our vocabulary. So now think about it. When you want to give someone an instruction that is intended to be followed, uh, stop, drop, roll, you go right to one syllable words. If I were to say, you and I are leaving the house, and I say, uh, Eric, turn out the lights when you leave the house, because I'm intending for you to remember it, to hear it really clearly, and to get it instantly. Turn out the lights when you leave the house. I think those are all one syllable words. If I go over, turn out the lights when you leave the house. I do not say, uh, Eric, upon departing the premises, reduce the illumination throughout the dwelling. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah, that's silly, isn't it? It's yes. silly. It sounds silly. Why do we do that? But isn't doesn't that sound like every legal document you've ever heard? Doesn't oh that goodness. sound like a lot of jargon that you hear from business leaders and entrepreneurs and anyone giving a pitch or a presentation because we're overthinking it. We have to say, oh, we have to sound smart. Well, that I guess that means using longer words. And yet the counterintuitive secret of success is the more confident you are and the better you understand um, a concept, you're more likely to simplify it for your audience. It's counterintuitive, but I think it's a very powerful, powerful uh, concept that anyone can use. No, it makes sense. Like if you really understand something, you should be able to speak it in the language of a child. If your kids can't understand it, then it's too complex. And the e-reader Kindle uh, example is perfect. Most kids go, oh, I could get a book in 60 seconds in my hands. They have an understanding of time. They understand what a book is. They can get it in their hands. They would understand that. And I think you're totally right. Like if, if if we're not confident in what we're doing, if we don't have a mastery of the subject, we often refer to making things complicated when it actually takes mastery to make it simple. Yeah, I, I remember interviewing uh, Richard Branson uh, several years ago. I've interviewed him a, a couple of times for for my books and and for my columns. And Richard Branson told me point blank. He said, "Look, if if your uh, pitch cannot fit on a napkin." 
or a beer coaster, you know, like when you said the pub, then it's too complicated. And if your entire presentation to me, which is a longer pitch, is more than 10 minutes, it's too complicated. Go back to the drawing board. So people at that level understand the power of keeping things simple. But I think we say that a lot, Eric. We say, oh, keep it simple. Make sure to keep it simple. But people don't understand what exactly does that mean? How can I keep it simple? And that's why I'm constantly trying, striving to find ways of explaining simplicity to people in a way that they can instantly ad- adopt for themselves. And that's where you talk about analogy in the book? The analogy is a metaphors. Is that what you're, oh gosh, I love this part too, because Bezos is among a handful of leaders who is great at developing analogies and metaphors to explain complicated subjects. Warren Buffett very much does the same. So when Warren Buffett says things like, and you hear this every day on CNBC or in the financial papers, Buffett will say that he likes to look for uh, investments that are surrounded by a moat, hmm. right? A, like a castle, a moat. You hear that all the time now. That originated from Warren Buffett. Hmm. So in one metaphor, a castle surrounded by a moat, you instantly understand that it's hard for competitors to enter that industry. It, it explains a lot about a particular company and where they're positioned in a category. Uh, and now everybody uses that moat. So if you go through the Bezos letters or you listen to how he explains complex uh, topics, he used a number of metaphors. He built flywheels to power Amazon's growth. He planted seeds, some of which grew into massive enterprises. He created two pizza teams. He explained why failure and invention are inseparable twins. And when hiring, make sure to hire missionaries over mercenaries. It's one of my favorite, that's one of my favorite ones, especially somebody that's in the thick of it right now is you don't want people that are there for hire. You want people that are going to espouse it. They're going to go to the ends of the earth to do the Mm -hmm. thing. And I think when you're building a team, that one is stuck with me. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you've got a friend or a colleague, maybe a friend that's a teacher or somebody that's presenting all the time and you think this podcast could be a value add to them, do me a favor, just take a screenshot and share it with them. Also, check out Carmine's books. They are worth every dollar. They're not too expensive. Amazon will ship it right to your front door. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.